He's Jonathan. He's Timothy. And this is Project 1517. Scripture. Theology. Life. Have you seen that one? Angry Birds. That's not a new movie. That's an old one. It's an amazing thing, Jonathan. They are making movies out of iPhone apps now. <laughs> Trying to monetize everything they can. What is it in They're, the world does that have to do with Jonah? Well, I mean, let's see if I can get you there. In the movie, the the big red bird from the app angry bird he he has to go to angry anger management classes <laughs> um because all the other birds are happy and he's he's an angry bird and and what ends up happening in the movies is the pigs show up and take over the bird's little paradise and everybody se- ends up celebrating angry bird's anger because he's able to fight against the pigs with his anger it's a neat little movie <laughs> <laughs> We watched it, but I think it goes to a couple of things that we're talking about here with Jonah. Is Jonah's having a hard time with his anger, and he he needs to go to God's anger management classes. And here, hey, look, we're closing out. We're closing out something big here today. <laughs> we are closing out the book of it's Jonah. It's taken us a while. It's taken yeah, us a while. But we've been a wonderful journey. And and here we are at the end, and God's gonna um, take Jonah to anger management class, and and I think we should probably just read it. What does God do? <laughs> Nobody's gonna play with... that app. Nobody's playing the app anymore, for one. But if they were, yeah. they'd never. They think of Jonah it had pulling him back in the slingshot. <laughs> it had its day. It had its day with Angry Birds. So, <laughs> and Jonah's an angry bird, you know. And and God's going to help him out. God's going to help him out. <laughs> so, you want to read it or should I read the, the read verses here? So, here we go. This is the Lord's going to intervene in Jonah's anger. This is verse 4. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? No answer from Jonah. <laughs> Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen in the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. That's the cool part. He's very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Very joyful. It's fleeting, though. Yeah. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it 
or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many also many animals? Oh, I oh man, what an ending. It sounds like it shouldn't end there. Holy moly. <laughs> a hanging question. So, like, we're talking about how does God deal with Jonah's anger? And his, his anger management classes actually just consist in three simple questions. Three simple questions. He starts off this section by asking Jonah, is it right for you to be angry. And Jonah says nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Jonah the Just like at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Just like at the beginning of the book, God tells him, go preach to Nineveh. No answer. Um, actually, not with words. I was thinking about this. Jonah did answer, just not with words, he, but with a behavior. So his response in verse in in verse five there is he is silence. That's the first behavior, and then the second one's rebellion. So he actually goes out east of the city, and he and and he gets hatefully um, expectant, hatefully expectant. So he's sitting out there, and he's wanting. It's like the Fourth of July, and he's hoping. Burning sulfur is going to come down on Nineveh. Like it, he, he's waiting out there to see what kind of judgments God, God's going to send down on the fortieth day. Yeah, <laughs> to see if it's if it's going to work. You know, um, if God's going to um, wipe Nineveh off the face of the map. So there it is. There's Jonah. Yeah, I, I mean, Timothy, I see see what you're saying there. He's just waiting. He wants to see what's going on. But I also think uh, it's pretty interesting that he's not just waiting. He's actually turned himself into a carpenter. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, because he makes a shelter. Yeah, good point. He good makes, point. Which yeah. is something that um, prophets should not do. <laughs> well, yeah, you're probably right. Neither should <laughs> <masters> probably <laughs> At least yep. this one. And I'm not just trying to, you know, make light of the situation here. You can see that Jonah has totally lost his vocation here. Instead of trying to build a home for people's faith uh, to live in and, and things like that, he is uh, constructing a shelter for himself, for a lonely, isolated Jonah Outside of Nineveh, too. Like, he was called to go to Nineveh, and now he's outside of Nineveh becoming a carpenter. So instead, so if we think this through, instead of hanging out with the sinners who have just been saved and throwing a party and thinking to himself, how wonderful is this that God has uh, shared his grace with these people, loved these people, and enjoyed um, their companionship and actually doing church because that's what church is, right? It's it's actually a party of the saved. You know, people have received um, law and gospel and faith and uh, made a home there, you know, which is what a prophet should do. 
he does the exact opposite. He leaves. Um, he becomes a carpenter. And uh, it seems like he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> well, yeah, because he needs a plant to help out. Yeah, it wasn't a very good shelter. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. Uh, it was it was probably worse than a shanty. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, so now, like the Lord's anger management classes for Jonah change a little bit. Words they're not going to do because Jonah's just not in the mood, right, to have a conversation. He's running away. So the Lord's going to provide a little bit of an object lesson. And the Lord gives to him a leafy plant, a gourd. And there's a lot of confusion about how to translate that word. And actually, people in northern Africa once rioted because they changed the translation of it mm. in the old Latin Vulgate. The NIV um, calls it a leafy plant for the first time. <laughs> and nobody, nobody um, rioted. When that translation came out, um, but you know, he here the Lord's going to give something to Jonah, and Jonah gets really happy about it. So really, a fleeting happiness here um, for, and and he's happy for really a stupid reason. Um, he gets angry when people are saved. Yeah, thousands and happy. thousands and thousands of people are saved. <laughs> yeah, hundreds of thousands, and and. And he gets he gets happy when a little plant grows up. Uh, <laughs> shelter his head. Well, um, I'm bald too. Now I'm assuming he's bald because his poor head's getting burned up. He might be. Yeah. Maybe that's just me reading into the text. He's got a little bit of discomfort going on. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> he needs a shade for his head for sure. Uh, we do know that. And he's very happy about the plant. He's pumped about this plant. And, uh, man, it must have been one incredible plant. Uh, <laughs> because he really loses it when that plant goes down. Yeah. And God, you know, this was God's plan all along. He takes it away. And, uh, he takes it away through a worm, chewed through the plant, and then it, and then God takes him, um, kind of twisting and twirling, down into a hot, hot hell. Really, um, it's it's really something. So much so, like the worm, which, by the way, uh, worms in the Bible are always bad. <laughs> yeah, we. we Sometimes we think of earthworms of being something kind of positive, but this worm is is bad. It's a maggot. It's it's chewing through yeah. life. It's it's rep- death. It, yeah, like Jesus on the on the cross. You know, in the Psalms, we get that first person look at what Christ is experiencing. He says, "I'm a worm and not a, a man." And then probably uh, right alongside that, you'd have to put Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah sixty six. That actually ends his book, where it says the worm doesn't die. So you have this idea of living death associated right. with hell, and then that, of course, comes out in the New Testament. Christ will will bring those that same idea out. But the the worms associated very very powerfully in the scriptures with judgment from God. Uh, yeah. So is heat. So is heat. 
So is heat, so is the wind. The Socorro wind, the east wind, you know, that's what shipwrecks people. It's, it's always, the wind was always an act of judgment. It wasn't a good thing. And, and this, this, this wind that would come in would be like 120 degrees and everything would just die. Everything, life would be sapped. So God is really um, taking Jonah on a roller coaster ride. And you can see Jonah's response then. Um, he says, not to God now. Um, he doesn't invoke God's name like he did before when, when he's got that suicidal prayer. He, it just says in the text of Jonah, he says he wanted to die and said, not to anyone in particular, but to himself only. So he's not even praying anymore. He's just in this hot pit. It would be better for me to live than to die, to die than to live. Well, oh, so he's man. bad spiritually. I, like, I think we have to see how low he is. He's not praying. Um, he's sitting on a hill waiting for this fire and brimstone to come down on Nineveh. He's all by himself, and it's it's just he's just bad. Is in a bad state spiritually. Well, you can. This is as low as he gets. This is where I think it's worth looking at here in the context of Jonah's self talk, because that's what's happening. Sometimes yeah. self talk is. Uh, we can't say that all self talk is wrong. Um, we so we're thinking about what we're actually thinking about and we're talking to ourselves. But in this context, what happens is Jonah has moved downwards. He's moved before he was saying, God, take Lord, take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. Now, all of a sudden, um, he's so angry that he's only going to talk to himself. And uh, we can feel that in ourselves, too, where all of a sudden we're so mad, we're not even going to send a prayer up to God. We're not, we're not going to talk to him at all. And I think we have to be careful of our self-talk. This isn't the only example in the Bible of a stunning form of negative self-talker. Probably the other uh, time in the Bible is is in a parable Jesus told where um, there's this guy who talks to himself. And in there, it's very stunning. The guy says, oh, self, um, store up for yourself while you can eat, drink, and yeah. be merry. And so there you have another example where you're not saying, Lord, thank you for the riches that I, that you've given me, but you're just talking to yourself. And what it shows you is you're your own God. You're trying to determine your own fate. Um, you don't have a relationship or any kind of understanding that you're not in charge of your own life, where it's going, what's happened to it, etc. And uh, so that's Jonah's way of gaining control of the situation here, too, is he just says, okay, I'm going to take control. I'm going to deny God's sovereignty over my own life and have just remain with a death wish in my own soul. It's better for me to die than to live. Yeah. And this is actually the last we hear from Jonah then. These that's are the it. last words he, in the book. Wow. What he The last words in the book that he says... God, God's got another question for him. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah says, it is, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. That's the last thing we ever hear from Jonah in Holy Scripture. Wow. <laughs> Imagine that. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. He's way down in the depths. Yeah. He's 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 ticked. Uh and he's just done. You know, he's he's done with with all of it. Mm. And and so the Lord's gonna um he's gonna come back. He's gonna come back with one final question. He's interestingly enough, Jonah's admitting his love. Right there, he admits his love, his deep, deep love, his romance for the plant. <laughs> his right to love the plant. And so God's got him exactly where he wants him. He, uh, and he's gonna, he springs a little bit of a rhetorical trap for him. <laughs> it's like, you love the plant, Jonah. Thank you for admitting that. And then in verse 10, the Lord comes back with a question. And, and, and the logic works like this. If you love the plant, which, Jonah, you admit that you do, you love the plant very, very deeply, you have a right to love the plant, nobody can take it away from you, the Lord says, don't I have a right to love Nineveh and everything in it? Mm. And, 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 of course, the answer to that, the Lord who is the creator of Nineveh, the Lord who has a plan to redeem Nineveh, the Lord who sent Jonah to Nineveh, whose heart is with Nineveh, of course does have a right, um, and and he should be concerned about Nineveh. Mm-hmm. It's oh man, it's it's just looking at a, a, a bigger a bigger context for this. This is a question that is super important. Doesn't God have a right to have grace on who He wants to have grace? Isn't it? it um, his uh, generosity uh, that we should be so in love with, um, but but we're often not. You know, Timothy, I I've been at this pastor thing for for almost ten years, and one of the most amazing things that I often experience, and I'm going to talk about it in a negative way, and then I'll talk about it in a positive way, is that uh, when people come to understand the unconditional gospel. That in Jesus Christ, every sin has been wiped clean through faith in him. One of the things that I find most interesting is that when people begin to grasp that concept and they begin to take it into their soul at some level, um, you'd think, this is what you'd think, you'd think that the very first reaction to that theology and that Christian truth, which, by the way, is the most fundamental Christian truth, the most central one, uh, you'd think that the first thing people would say to that is, "Oh my goodness, I've been saved," <laughs> and they and they and they should. You know, you'd think that joy would fill their hearts and tears would flow from their eyes, and they they'd begin to grasp that. But what I find interesting about human nature is that when that con- concept begins to fall on people's hearts with clarity, the very first thing that I get asked is. Does it mean that so and so has also been saved? Yeah, like the murderers and stuff, immediately and the child abusers and stuff like that. Yeah, right. The people who, and so what happens is, what happens is people out themselves, and in their hearts, they they start to understand that they actually don't want a God of grace. A God of grace is actually super offensive to their hearts. Um, and I, look, I look, I. It is to mine too. It is to Jonah's too. It is naturally. It is to all of us. What what our hearts want is a God that's fair, 
and a God that's just and a God who gets the people that we think should be gotten. You know, whoever that is, and each of us have our own people group, our own yep. demographic that, that we think God should really get, and it's really offensive to us when God doesn't get them. And whoever, mm-hmm. you know, whoever that is, you can pick your pick your favorite poison. But that's what's here. That's what's here, somebody who's who's reacting to a God of grace. And so this is my question. This is my question for our listeners. Who is that for you? Who do you think God should really get? You know, who do you want God to stick it to? And yeah. and we have we have our answers to that question. Until we answer that question, we can't identify with Jonah. We can't understand what he's experiencing here. Um and then the follow-up question is this, once we've identified that group of people, whoever that is, whoever they are, and I'm using those pronouns so people can write write in whoever that group is, here's my follow-up question to that. Ask yourself this question. Do you really want a fair God in your life? Do you really want that? Yeah. Is it right for you to feel this way? Do you want that? <laughs> to use, are you right to be angry, right? Yeah, yeah, are you right to be angry? Do you really want that? And should God have concern for everyone? Yeah. That's that's actually how the book ends. It's like this big, God's interrogating us here. Is it right for you to be angry? Should you be, you know, out there just ticked off at the world about injustice? Um, and and should God love the people who who is are causing you pain? You know, should God love those people, and and should God just give them grace? And and we don't know how Jonah answers that question. We don't know. It's 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 a deafening silence. It's a very abrupt ending. It's almost like the ending of of the Sopranos or the Book of Acts too. You, yeah. remember, you know the Sopranos, like right. the the assassins sneaking in, and you don't know if 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 he knocks off the mob boss, or like the Book of Acts. We don't know what happens with the Apostle Paul, and he, some Christian groups have picked up on that, and they've 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 started calling themselves Acts twenty nine because they feel like they're writing the ending to the Book of Acts, Acts twenty nine, right? Yeah, right. So. What 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 the the narrator here in, in in Jonah is really asking us to do is is to write our own ending, you know. What is what is Jonah chapter four verse twelve look like? I mean Jonah Jonah Midrash has its own answer. They they end the book like this at that moment. In other words, right after the Lord asked the question. Jonah fell on his face and said, Conduct your world according to the principle of mercy. And as it is written to the Lord our God, our mercy and forgiveness. So they they actually want to end the book of Jonah with Jonah getting it. He gets it. He understands it. He he maybe he goes walks back into Nineveh and he says, You're right, Lord, I'm going in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach these people more about your word. And and it's just then we get the ending that we wanted to, but really the narrator wants us to 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 write our own ending to the book of Jonah. A big, big ending. You know, how are you going to answer the Lord's question? Should I have concern? Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? And I do think 
I do think that uh, I think there's a couple different responses that we can have to sending, and I don't think either one uh, is wrong. I think they're both options, but the way that it, it's a, in in some ways it is a rhetorical question. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? The the correct answer to that question is yes, you should. Yes, you absolutely should. And we can write the ending, think of it like this. We could say, we can write the ending to this book with our own hearts and with our own lives and agree with the Lord and say, whoever, right. yeah. you know, just agree with them. Lord, you're right. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the ways in which I've tried to keep grace from people. Lord, I'm sorry for a heart that gets angry with you. Um, when I try to play my own little God in life, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry about that. And Lord, I want to participate in your mission. Lord, I'm in, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to come into your church, which by the way is full of Ninevites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's full of sinners. It's full of Ninevites. Um, it's not perfect. Uh, these are saved people. They're celebrating the grace of God, but man, they have a lot to learn. Oh, it's messy to be in Nineveh yeah. celebrating with these people. But Lord, I'm going into the city, you know? Yeah. I'm going. No more hateful expectation. No more anger. Be like, God, you're right to work on the principle of grace. I love that ending. I mean, the So the we Lord actually, ending ourselves, but there's another way we can yeah. end it too. I think there's a better way. I think, I there think there's a better way to end this journey. Because, I mean, it's true that the Lord sort of leaves this question wide open for a few, you know, hundred years. But he's going to answer his question. Should I love people in the city? Should I li- love Nineveh and Ninevites? And and then the Lord answers his own question. He's He plants his cross right outside the city, yeah. right outside the city, right where Jonah camped out waiting for judgment. The Lord planted his own cross right there. And, and he said, yes, a thousand times, yes, I will suffer the judgment that they deserve. I will suffer the judgment that Jonah deserved. I'll take, and I'm going to love them. I'll take their worm, their, their hellfire, uh, their scorching heat, their wind, and uh, I'll let it all come down on my head. You know, all that discomfort, we would say. A thousand times, yes, I will be concerned about them. And, and dear listeners, he's concerned about you, whether you're Jonah or Nineveh. And we probably switch places sometimes. You know, sometimes we're Jonah, sometimes we're Nineveh. Uh, he loves them all. He he's, sweeps his arms around all of us and, and pulls us in. He just doesn't quit, you know. That's the whole thing about this book. He does not quit. He doesn't quit on Nineveh. He does not quit on Jonah. He, a thousand times, yes, he's concerned. And his concern leads him to die and rise again for us. It's, it's amazing that... That's something I want everybody to understand. You know, this book, while it ends on a question, the canon of Holy Scripture does not. There is no question about God's concern, the Lord's concern for his world. He loves his world. And we know that not by, uh, there's no hanging question. What we have is a hanging answer in the crucified Christ. 
He hung for our sins, and he died there in the heat outside the city. And we have so much grace from our God, so much grace. And interestingly, I think the final word of of the book of Jonah shows that to us the most. Because the final word, and I think this is fascinating, the final word is uh, animals or beasts of the yeah. book. Book of, so you have this God here who cares about his whole broken creation from the greatest to the mm-hmm. least, from from what should have been the crown of his creation, humanity, um, down to a kikion plant or a leafy plant as the NIV has it. Uh, he loves it all. He loves the whole thing. And in Christ, he redeems it. And in Christ, he renews it. And uh, that's the journey we're all on right now, trusting him. It's a beautiful journey, watching the Lord taking us to himself. We are podcasting scripture, one book of the Bible at a time. For more information, visit www. Project1517.com or our Facebook page. We do invite you to support this ministry by sharing this podcast with family and friends and by giving us a good review on iTunes. You can also help with the cost of its production by giving a gift on our website. This is Project 1517. Scripture. Theology. Life.